just trying to shoot the moon Isn't everything we've got that's just a piece of a spoon Welcome to The Word Witch, a podcast for the modern magical soul, exploring tarot, astrology, belief, and more from a queer witch, that's me, in conversation with folks making magic from the margins. I'm your host, Claire Burgess. Let's make some magic. Hello friends, witches, otherlings, and welcome back to The Word Witch. Uh, Today, we're going to look at the threes, the number family of the threes. That's the empress, the minor threes, and the hanged man, and the world. This is a big one. (laughs) And um, listen, this podcast episode is late. Don't know if you noticed. Uh, It's not just a little late. It's like a week late. And the reason for that is a couple of things. I was really busy last week with some very mundane stuff and then also some really exciting stuff. And then I got sick. (laughs) So the podcast was going to be just a couple days late. And then I got sick and lost my voice. And I was like, well, fuck. (laughs) Guess it'll be next week then. So I'm still a bit sick. You might be able to hear it in my voice. But... I waited long enough, and I'm glad that I did because I think that this last week was necessary for me to sort of like gestate on these ideas with this number family and with the Empress because uh, the Empress is a card that's hard for me. (laughs) Um, I've posted about that a little bit on Instagram and on my blog before. Anyway, yeah, it's a card that has um, some tricky stuff um, that I've had a hard time dealing with because of its um, association with, quote, femininity and its conflation of that with things like mothering, um, nurture, um, the whole, like, um, passive thing. But, you know, those are all... Those are all aspects of the Empress that certainly are there and are resonant. And we'll talk about this when we get into it. But that's that's just part of the Empress. And the Empress is also so much more than that. That sort of reductive view of the Empress is something imparted by our culture and our society. And that's kind of like, I realized kind of, stolen the empress from me for most of my life because I was so just as a non-binary person afraid of like I don't know welcoming that in because I was raised as a girl and to be a woman and I'm I'm seen and perceived as a woman by the world and so you know I was just like empress oh like representing everything I was trying to distance myself from but that's a really really on my part um sort of myopic view of the empress and I think that a lot of us move through that with either the empress or with the emperor or maybe with the hierophant um these three can present pretty 
uh, difficult energies for us, those of us who don't just like automatically easily sort of click in with one of those archetypes or have experienced struggles with them in our pasts and growing up in childhood um, and young adulthood. And so it's really important for us to acknowledge that those struggles exist um, and that we move through those while also important to say for the sake of tarot and for the sake of the Empress that there is so much, so much good medicine to be had in this card, even for those of us who kind of, you know, who don't vibe with that traditional image of femininity or who don't feel called to be a mother or maybe who were assigned female at birth but are not female. So I want to, um, I think it's important for us to let these cards in and understand what they have to offer us that can help us free those cards from those very binary, very gender roles associations and like open up to the real like magnificence of the true energy that's there. Because I, you know, I think the tarot, like so many systems of divination and belief gives us these these images in human form because we are humans and we like the familiar. It's easy to understand things that look like us. And so we we sort of like perceive these energies and then we like mold them into a form that makes sense to us. And that form is dictated by culture, by society, by individual experience and bias. And so while in, you know, the 1400s when the first tarot was created in the 17 and 1800s, in the 1900s when more tarots were created – we were still very much entrenched in that gender binary system in um, a lot of the Western world. And so that's the um, the images that some of these energies took form as. But those, those energies and those arch- archetypes in themselves, I don't think are, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't think are gendered. Um, I don't think are, are, are human necessarily, or they're human in as much as like our souls are human, if that makes sense. Okay. I really just like dove on in like no preamble at all. So let me, let me back up a little bit. I have a lot of feels about the Empress. Okay. So uh, you may have noticed I'm just launching right in to our Tarot Number Families lesson. And that's because, uh, for a couple reasons, I think I've decided to do these tarot lessons just as little self-contained episodes, just by themselves, no other content and with them, because, like, damn, those episodes were long. Also, I have a lot of great listener questions that you have emailed to me, um, and I want to make sure to answer those, but I think I need um, a little bit more, uh, an episode with a little bit more space to do that in. So I'm going to be answering listener questions in a separate episode 
an additional episode, um, along with having more um, uh, tarot ethics conversations. I got some good questions about that, about our first tarot ethics conversation, um, and I want to address those questions. So I think I'm going to do just a like a, a separate answering questions, talking about this other stuff kind of thing. It might be every month. It might not be every month. It depends on uh, how much time I have and whether or not like Aaron and I can sit down together to have like an ethics conversation because we're both very busy people (laughs) and we don't see each other enough like period. So we don't really like sometimes we got to like not do the podcast. Sometimes we got to just spend time together. And so I'd like those to be every month, but that'll just depend. Also, three episodes a month is a lot for me to take on right now, especially because I also do two episodes, two bonus podcast episodes a month for my Patreon members. So FYI, if that sounds good to you, I do a collective reading every month for my Patreon members. And I do a uh, sort of a deeper, more intense look at um, some of the content, some of the ideas that we go over in these Tarot Number Families episodes. So if that, you know, if you want two extra podcast episodes a month, go join my Patreon. <laughs> it's um, it's pay what you can starting at $2 a month. And it really helps me out a lot. A lot, a lot. So anyway, you can expect another um, episode coming somewhat soon with um, answers to questions and more tarot ethics talk. Um, And also, I have another episode coming at you later this month, which is uh, an interview episode with David Salisbury, who is the author of um, a new book coming out March 1st uh, called Witchcraft Witchcraft Activism, a Toolkit for Magical Resistance. Um, I got to read an advanced copy. It's really good. It's really good and, like, so practical and helpful. So... Keep your ears out for that interview coming near the end of this month. Okay, so now that I've done the announcements and the housekeeping, (laughs) uh, on to the threes. So to recap, uh, we started talking about the magician a couple months ago. We talked about the idea of oneness and that unity of the one. And from that comes to where we have the first concept of difference, of otherness, of separation. But we also in that too had mirroring, harmony, collaboration, coming coming together. And from that coming together in the two, from that union in the two, we get the three the number of creation, fertility, growth, evolution, and love. (laughs) And like, damn, aren't those some great things? (laughs) Isn't that a lovely number? And the three is the number of, of growth and expansion and evolution because three is sort of this number where, um, we start to like, exponentially replicate. When we had one, um, remember we talked about the monad, which was just like a dot, just like one contained dot in the void. Um, And then with two, we had two dots. And if you connect two dots, you get a line, right? Well, if we have three dots, 
You connect three dots. What do you get? You get a triangle. You get a shape, the first shape. Before we had a dot, then we had a line. Now we have a shape, something with area, something with like square area and fullness. We have a new thing. We've entered like a whole new uh, reality. And three is also a number that's, um, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. If you think about it, we have um, things like the Holy Trinity in the Christian church. Um, We have um, another kind of Holy Trinity of uh, mind, body, spirit. We have the three levels of consciousness. We have past, present, future, the sort of core building blocks of time, or at least linear time. We have beginning, middle, end. Threes uh, show up in a lot of other places too. Like we say, um, good things, um, good things come in threes or bad things come in threes, depending. Lucky number three, three trimesters in a pregnancy. Threes, they're everywhere. <laughs> so this is where we like really start to expand from that two-dimensional um, binary into a third dimension, into something new. So let's look at the Empress, number three in the Major Arcana. If you uh, look at the card in the Smith in the Smith Rider Weight deck, you'll see a, a person like lounging on some pillows, all relaxed, like chilling, looking powerful. There are pomegranates on their dress. There's a Venus symbol on a shield by their pillow throne. There's a crown of 12 stars on their head, and there is abundance all around them. This is a um, image that when you look at it, you can't help but feel like, oh yeah, sweet, like this is good. <laughs> and that's because the Empress is the archetype of that creative abundance. This is also, I'll say, uh, creativity in a different way than in the magician. So with the magician, we talked about um, the magician being being creative too, being like the creative fire, the lightning rod that that brings like potential, that brings potential energy into material reality that channels from that like raised wand down through their fingertip into the earth. And so that shows us an image of like bringing things forth, making things happen through will, through will and focus, through uh, setting intention, through uh, like a projective kind of creation. The Empress is a receptive kind of creation. And what I mean by that is this. So if you think about... um, a, like about uh, like artistic creativity, for example. I think this is a good example. The Empress would be that just like flood of creativity that comes from like nowhere or everywhere or we don't know where. Like those moments that any artist or writer or creator just craves <laughs> and relishes because it just feels like you are... Um, like something's just pouring through you. It's a an like a, an easy, natural kind of creation where you're just letting things come forth. The magician is also a really important kind of creation, but it's more um, intentional, I think. More like I've set my sights on doing this thing and now I'm going to do it. 
The empress is more like, oh, this thing is happening. I'm going to welcome it and allow it to happen. It's it's receiving and creating. And if you think about it, the empress as number three is one plus two. So it is the manifestation power of the emperor, uh, it's not, not the emperor, of the magician, plus the subconscious connection, receptivity, intuitive, just intuitive channel power of the high priestess. And those together get us the empress, who is like the most powerful card of beautiful, like heartfelt aligned creation in the entire tarot and of growth as well. The catalyst, the entry point for big expansive growth. So we can see some of that visually represented in the card too. The pomegranates on the empress's dress um, there's also the reminiscent of the pomegranates on uh, on the veil behind the high priestess, right? So in that, these two cards are really inextricably linked. The pomegranate in the high priestess reminded us of the Persephone myth and the underworld and the attachment there to the realms of the realm of the subconscious, which is kind of like the underworld in some ways, but not in like a negative evil way. <laughs> The pomegranate in the empress, though, is um, about fertility. Uh, If you think about a pomegranate, it is a fruit that is filled with just hundreds of tiny, juicy seeds. There is a capability for such abundance there. There is also, um, oh, a link to the magician, I think, is in uh, the empress's scepter, that they are holding in their right hand, holding it upwards, reminds me of the magician and how the magician is holding that wand upwards towards the sky. It's more like subtle and relaxed in the empress, but the empress is a more like relaxed, gestative, uh, natural kind of creativity than the uh, magician's very um, uh, focused, intentional, premeditated creation through will. So there's also um, um, the wheat at the empress's feet is, of course, a symbol of abundance that connects this this archetype with all of the earth goddesses uh, and nature goddesses pretty much throughout history. Wheat was um, a really uh, common symbol for these goddesses who, uh, because it's it's a fruit of the earth, it's sustenance, it's food, it is what sustains uh, life. So there are those links to um, fertility, um, not as in like necessarily, like I want to detach that from like fertility as in like the the ability to grow babies um, and attach that to fertility in a broader sense. We've, um, the, the capacity that some people have to grow children is incredible. (laughs) And I don't want to knock that or short shrift that at all. I do though want to make this card available to everyone, um, whether or not they can make a baby or want to have a baby um, or not. So again, to go back to some of that like uh, gender stuff I was talking about earlier, 
I think that um, humans have uh, envisioned this fertile, fertile, creative growth energy in a female-bodied form because of that um, ability for child childbirth, and that is a really incredible metaphor for it. But it also can shut people out. So, like, let's expand that also to include not just um, childbirth, but any sort of birth of any kind of project, of art, of anything new, of a business. The Empress uh, shows up to welcome things that are, are right and, and beautiful and whole into the world. The Empress um, now also has uh, attachments with self-care, with nurture, right? So the Empress was traditionally the mother of the tarot. And again, full of that maternal energy of nurture and comfort and providing care. And once again, we can all do that. Does like whether or not we are male or female or non-binary or whether we have children or not, we all have huge capacity for nurture and for giving care. And the Empress uh, represents that too. One of the other things that the Empress represents is um, the wisdom of the body. Wisdom of the body. And I think that this is a, a really important connection with the Empress um, because uh, our, our culture and our society, I think, has um, trained us to think of like our bodies as uh, machines, as 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 resources, as burdens. <laughs> Capitalism has taught us that our worth is in how much we can produce. And when our bodies get in the way of that because they need rest or they get sick, then we're frustrated and we're devalued. And that's some bullshit. <laughs> our bodies are not machines that can or should be pushed to the breaking point for the sake of production. Our bodies are, are these sacred vessels that house our souls that are, are part of the earth, that come of the earth, and they hold so much wisdom in them. We've just learned to shut them down so much and not listen to them because it, like our bodies have become, we're listening to the body, things of the body have become considered base probably this is rooted in some sort of misogyny as well. <laughs> but like, um, so let's talk about wisdom of the body. Our bodies often know things before our conscious minds do. Um, that's part intuition, but it's part like something else that just lives in the body. Your body will tell you. When like you're at like a party and some person walks up to you who seems like totally nice on the outside, but you just get like that nasty feeling, like your gut just churns, your skin pricks. That's your body telling you, oh no, no, <laughs> this isn't right. If you're considering a job and on paper it sounds wonderful and your brain is like, do it. This is great. This is what you've always wanted. But 
in your body, it's just like feeling a little bit off. It knows, the body knows that there's something not right there. Our bodies tell us when we need sleep, when we need rest, when we need food and what kind of food that we need. But we just don't listen to it. (laughs) We just don't listen to it and we let our minds, our minds bully our bodies into submission. And that ain't right. So the Empress, I think, um, is also... Um, also shows up to remind us of that, to say, listen to your body. It is a vessel of such creativity and wonder and power and goodness. Treat it well, and it will treat you well. All right, uh, let's talk about, oh, and that is, of course, um, that's also related to self-care right? Treating ourselves well. The Empress shows up to remind us of that. Um, And there's also a link there with self-nurture. So the Empress um, is sometimes about, yeah, giving care to our, our, like to other people or to our projects um, or to our plants, you know, whatever, but also giving care to ourselves, self-nurturing, self-nurture, self-parenting. But it's also about, um, abundance, like creating abundance and also receiving abundance. So again, that receiving energy is strong in the Empress. Okay, let's talk about, um, I think that that's, I established all the things. Um, Let's talk about the minor threes. So first, um, most of the minor threes, I think, uh, are, are all built around this side of the Empress that is about expansion and growth expansion and growth. So in the three of cups, for instance, we see this image of uh, three people kind of dancing and flowing robes. They're lifting their cups in the air as if in, as if in a toast. Um, there are fruits uh, around their feet symbolizing or looking like a harvest. Looks like a party. Uh, this card is about friendship and about community. This card is about coming together in love and celebration and lifting each other up. So this card has that nurturing aspects of the Empress, and it's about nurturing ourselves in our communities. It's about the, I guess, kind of, uh, you could think of it as like a co-parenting with our communities of whatever it needs that needs to be uh, supported, which could just be like having a good time. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's an energy of feeling like, like seen and accepted and being um, a part of something. And of, of um, it shows up a, a lot of times, I think, when people are isolating, like it shows up a lot um, when people are isolated or isolating themselves and they need to be reminded to reach out and be a part of their community or find their community or to to call a friend. It's that like deep well of love and belonging and creativity and support that's available in our groups, the groups that we are a part of, that we choose to be a part of. 
And then if we look at the three of pentacles, we see another card that is centered on groups. So in this card, we have another pair of three people um, working on building a church together. Each of the three people in this card um, has like a different role in like in in planning and building this beautiful church that they're standing in, this cathedral. So this is about community in another way, as in pooling our resources and working together to build something special. This card uh, shows up sometimes to talk about like teamwork, working together as a team, whether that's in like, you know, at like your workplace or in your family or like whatever. This is like, um, this card is like everybody coming together to build a compost bin, a communal compost bin at the park, you know. This is working together to create things for the community. And this card also, the Three of Pentacles also, is about um, communal good over individual good. And not at the expense of individual good, but that individual good comes from or stems out of communal good as well. Like putting in to our communities also feeds us, feeds ourselves. So this card also can remind us that we're part of a bigger community and that if we're only taking care, um, if we're only putting our like work and resources back into just ourselves, we're really like starving another part of ourselves. So both the Three of Cups and Three of Pentacles, I think, work on that sort of like group or we could think of it as like a family energy, but we're family as more than parents and children and grandparents. But it's like our, our towns, our neighborhoods, our friends, our global community. All right, and uh, let's look at three of wands and three of swords. So our two projective suits. So three of wands is um, like literal expansion. The card pictures a person standing on a cliff overlooking um, an ocean or a bay, and they are watching their ships go out to where, who knows? <laughs> um, but they're watching the ships leave. They're standing between the wands on the card, kind of like it's a doorway, like it reminds me of a doorway or a threshold. And this is one of the cards that I do think of as a threshold card. It invites us to step through. It invites us to expand and to grow and to go forth. While in the two of wands, we talked about um, being in that kind of planning stage, that dreaming and planning and trying to figure out how to get from point A to point B. The three of wands is like getting to point B. Three of Wands is like, all right, we figured it out. Now we go. Now we go. It's, it is progress. It is foresight. It's expanding, expanding towards the horizon. And now Three of Swords. <laughs> three of Swords, that everyone's favorite card in the tarot. <laughs> this is the one, uh, if you don't already picture it in your mind, it's the one that shows a big iconic red heart stabbed through by three swords. <laughs> it's dark and rainy in the background. It's pretty bleak. It looks pretty bleak. So how is the Three of Swords related to that three energy of creation and fertility and growth? Well, my friends, the Three of Swords, I love this card so much. 
The Three of Swords is the side of love that hurts. (laughs) The side of love that hurts. This is the vulnerability that we all open ourselves to when we make ourselves available to love and to receiving and to possibility. This is the pain we make ourselves available to when we grow, literal growing pains, right? Growing hurts. (laughs) This is the pain that every parent feels when their child gets hurt or the pain that every creator feels when one of their projects just doesn't work out. This is also the pain we feel when um, we invest ourselves in a relationship um, in some sort of community, whether that be a romantic relationship or friendships or any kind of personal investment, and we get hurt or we get disappointed. And that is a really important side of that three energy because it's not all like wheat and rainbows and pillows (laughs) all the time. Sometimes it swords in the heart. Sometimes it hurts. And so in the three of swords, this is growth that comes through pain, through pain, through letting go when things don't work out, letting go of attachment to the necessity that things work out letting go of that so we can truly make ourselves available to that growth and expansion. This is also a card about caring and nurturing, but caring and nurturing for our wounded places, not just nurturing our crops that are growing abundantly, but nurturing our wounds, caring for our wounds, the places where we're hurt. Uh, So in this face of the three and the three of swords, we expand through choosing to choosing to bravely expand the heart despite its hurts, despite its scars, and through knowing knowing its strength to keep on beating and keep on loving, even in those moments when we expect that heart to stop. Oh. <sighs> Yeah, (laughs) I've been through some things with this card. (laughs) This is partially my sick voice and partly me getting choked up. Hold on. (laughs) Oh, okay. Hmm. I also paused the recording to blow my nose. So I'm back. Um, yeah. So the minor threes are different sort of views on growing and expanding and nurturing in and connection and friendship and creativity. All right, let's talk about um, the other two cards that are in the number family of the threes. So we're going to talk about the hanged man and the world. So the hanged man, number 12, uh, we'll just call this card the hanged. Um, The hanged is number 12, which if we add up those digits, one plus two equals three, right? So in the threes number family. So, oh, I love this. I love this number family so much. So... The hanged man, 
um, shows us kind of like the Three of Swords, the Hanged Man shows us a really necessary stage in this cycle of the threes, but one that people often like don't don't like very much or don't want to welcome or experience because it's not all like you know birthing puppies and rainbows. It's like the the harder side. So the Hanged is about sacrifice and surrender partially <laughs> it's um but we 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 in the hanged do those things in order to make space for big creation to come in so let's talk about sacrifice real quick this card is the image of martyrdom like literally the the figure hanging upside down um, from a cross recalls a number of martyrs it recalls uh jesus christ it recalls saint peter uh, who was crucified upside down um both of those figures, of course, sacrificed, um, to some level sacrificed, especially Jesus, sacrificed themselves for um, the greater good, the good of, of the people, the good of all. Um, but also this card is reminiscent of uh, Odin as well, the sort of father god of Norse mythology, who hung upside down from the world tree for, oh, I can't remember how long, but for a long time. And um lost one of his eyes to a crow <laughs> in order to receive um, knowledge, uh, wisdom, enlightenment. And so that was kind of a personal sacrifice to gain something personally. So we have we have both things, both things here, sacrifice for the collective and a sort of like sacrifice for our own expansion. But either way, a necessary sacrifice for something greater. And this card is also about um, receiving, receiving enlightenment through surrender, through surrender, through surrendering to it or surrendering to ourselves or surrendering to the void or the waiting or the not knowing in order to um, make way for that enlightenment to come in. In this card, the hanged uh, shows up a lot of times in um, when we're experiencing feelings of like limbo, uh, when we feel like we're in the in-between, when uh, we're in liminal spaces, not quite here, not quite there. And this card tells us to surrender to it, to not fight it, that this is exactly where we are supposed to be right now. And to trust, to trust in abundance, to trust that it will come through um, when the time is right, to weather the lean times in the trust that we will receive. So if the Empress is about um, receiving abundance and sort of opening up and allowing the creative waters to come through onto the earth the hanged is about not creating <laughs> the hanged is about waiting and trusting and gestating not creating this is a necessary stage in the creative cycle 
This is the writer's block, the artistic dry period. It's the uncomfortable time while we are waiting and trusting that something will come through. And in the meantime, we are paying attention and we're learning and we're experimenting and maybe we're seeking out sources of inspiration. Maybe we are laying with our head hanging off the couch upside down trying to get a new perspective on things to spark a light bulb. (laughs) So in the hanged, we wait and we trust. We surrender. We sacrifice. And then it comes. Then the enlightenment comes, then the creative force comes, the muses speak, whatever, then it comes, it eventually comes. But we have to go through that period first, in order to welcome it in, in order to receive it, in order to not quite earn it, but There's kind of an emptying out, an opening up, a clearing, and a really radical trust there in the hanged that makes us, that prepares us, that prepares us to receive. Okay, lastly, the world. The world is the last card in this number family. Card number 21. Two plus one again is three. This is the final card in the major arcana in the tarot. This is ultimate fulfillment and completion. This is abundance, ultimate abundance in all senses of that word. (laughs) This is also um, the cosmic egg that wreath makes the shape of the cosmic egg of the zero, of the fool, of the cycle, and the void. This is also the source from which all things are born, from which everything is created. This is unfiltered creativity and connection to source. And in the middle, we see a dancer. And this dancer uh, shows us the dance of life. They're balancing the wands in each hand. They are uh, circled by the wreath that represents the cycle of creation and growth, but also of latency and destruction. Both are necessary. The Empress is necessary. The Hanged is necessary. The Three of Swords is necessary. All necessary parts of the creative cycle of death and rebirth. And also, I'll say too, um, the figure in the card is said traditionally to be, quote, hermaphroditic. And I want to talk about this uh, because first I want to let everybody know who's reading these older books on tarot, um, the term hermaphrodite, not not cool anymore, guys, not cool. <laughs> There's a lot of problems with the word hermaphrodite stemming from Victorian medicine and really incorrect thinking um, and categorization that existed back then. Um, and also because um, the the more correct term for that is intersex. So just FYI, intersex. Um, But also, I wanted to talk about that because um, using an intersex person as the sort of like symbol 
for a balance or a merging or a combination of, quote, male and, quote, female is problematic. (laughs) And it's problematic for the same reasons that assigning, quote, feminine energy to the empress is problematic. And the same reason why assigning, quote, masculine energy to the emperor is problematic. Or I guess I should say assigning those cards or those energies to those sexes is problematic or to those genders is problematic. And that's because it, when we do that, it incorrectly assumes uh, character traits about a person based on their genitals. <laughs> it's limiting. It's often just flat out wrong, like incorrect. It's reductive. Um, and, and also, intersex people shouldn't be construed as some kind of combo or middle ground between the genders unless that's what they want to be or feel like their gender identity is. Intersex folks often identify as male or female, so making them into the unwilling mascot of gender balance is uh, just wrong. <laughs> Um, so I wanted to give that little PSA about that in the world. So remember, this is a queer podcast, not going to stop talking about it. Um, so a better term when we're talking about the world and the dancer in the world card, um, a better term to use might be androgynous. First, because the term androgynous refers to gender expression and not sexual characteristics, Um, And second, because it's a flexible term. It's a flexible term that can describe folks who feel like they have both masculine and feminine characteristics or folks of ambiguous or indeterminate gender. And, you know, I like that latter option because that's a step towards releasing the whole dependence on the binary. It's a step towards... Maybe I'm a combo of both male and female, or maybe who the fuck cares because gender, as we understand it in our society, is a construct, and we are all nothing more or less than souls living for a time in these beautiful and difficult human bodies. (laughs) We are fluid. We are expansive. We are all and also nothing. We are contradictory. (laughs) And we are also um, oh so simple. We cannot be defined. And in the world, we transcend those definitions, those boxes, those labels. And we know complete unity with all things. And that, my friend, is growth. And that's the Empress. That's the number families of the threes. Oh, thanks for joining with me today and putting up with my weird sort of hoarse voice. Um, I'm going to try to cut out all the times I blew my nose. <laughs> So, um, again, look out for an episode uh, where I answer questions and talk more about ethics and tarot soon and come back for uh, that interview with 
David Salisbury and his book, Witchcraft Activism, later this month. And if you want to learn more about these cards, I dive especially a lot more into the symbolism, like the imagery on these cards and what it all means um, using the Smith Smithwaite or Riderwaite uh, system on Patreon, patreon.com slash the word witch tarot. Um, yeah. I think that's it for now. <laughs> okay, till next time, stay magical. Bye bye. We're running in circles, but we live within lines. We put ourselves in boxes when the air is just fine. We're digging down to the earth to find the sky. We're always asking when, but never why. You've been listening to The Word Witch. Our theme music is Counting Rice by Bitches in the Beehive. Their album Itty Bitty Spaces is out now. The Word Witch is written, produced, and recorded by me, Claire Burgess. Our logo is designed by me too. Editing and tech support come from Danu Vino. You can follow The Word Witch on Instagram at the.word.witch. You can book tarot readings, find out about upcoming classes, and join our newsletter at thewordwitchtarot.com. If you'd like to support this podcast, join my Patreon at patreon.com slash the word witch tarot. For as little as $1, you'll receive collective tarot readings, tarot and astro content, downloads of my zines, and podcast outtakes and extras. Plus, you'll help make this podcast possible and help support a working witch. If you have a question for the word witch, email us at the word witch podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Till next time, stay magical. Just trying to shoot the moon. Isn't everything we've got that's just.